What the freak was that? Sorry, that was a. Uh, it sounds like a pen, but it's not. It's this bit of the desk. That's scary. We can put special things in. Like white wires can come up. Oh, uh, it's for like if you've got an actual office and you put yeah. the the wire. I always wonder what that Wiring was. Wiring and laptops. And I didn't computers. think it was a glory hole through a desk, but there we go. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Hello and welcome along to You Have Been Watching with Luke and Elliot, the podcast that invites a different guest each episode to choose some of their favourite telly shows. They'll be asked to pick four separate shows from each of our categories and a couple of little bonus choices as well. Why? Because they've won our made-up competition to spend a weekend away at a luxurious travel lodge in the heart of Preston. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How are you? Like school register. It is, isn't it? Do you remember, was that your job? Because you were the B in register in primary school. You used to have to go and get the register in paper format and bring it along and like do the trek along the corridor with it. Yeah, you'd have to take it from the school teacher and take it down to the reception. It's quite an honour, actually. Me and, I won't say the name of the person, but the surname may have been Austin because he was at the start of the Oh, alphabet. Vicky. Oh. <laughs> A and B would drop yeah. down. I think, to be fair, that responsibility did go down the alphabet throughout the year. But I always started the year doing it, of course, because I'm B. Yeah. Well, that I think that was year two, wasn't it? Because reception in year one was the special person. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't think you're allowed to say now. Peace, no, not PC. <laughs> yeah, it's where you got to be like the front of the queue. What, why would you want to be the front of the queue? I don't understand. What, like when you're lining up to go in class or yeah. at the end of lunch? I, I want to be in that playground for as long as possible. It's like people who queue up first to go on the plane. <laughs> I, I've told you before, I'd rather pay to be the last person on that plane. Why do I want to sit down for any longer than I need to be there? I want to pay, sit on my seat, <laughs> we're off. That is so true, actually, yeah. But I don't think at school it was like having priority boarding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think because I was at the front of the queue and you were at the back, you got extra play. You may have got two seconds extra play. But surely you got a, a special space on the carpet because you got to choose first. I suppose I got front row. But that also means when you're lining up at the end of lunchtime, I'm first to the teacher so I can't talk. I can't muck around because I'm literally in view of the teacher. And I'm at the back, so I can't see anything. Uh, uh, that's why, uh, it's why I'm slow of study. <laughs> and the bully had taken your glasses and stamped on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't see a thing. Well, I didn't have glasses back then. Really that's couldn't true. see. That's very true. Hadn't been diagnosed. Is it diagnosed? Um, yeah, I suppose it is. Diagnosed. By an optician. Yeah. Diagon Alley. Vicky Austin. <laughs> She was diagnosed A on the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> I must say, you're all sprightly today. You've had your, your Weetabix and your special banana in the morning. And the Imodium. <laughs> what is Imodium? Um, it's a type of drug or tablet, isn't it? But I actually don't know. Yeah, well, I think we're on dodgy ground. It might be for women exclusively. I think Imodium might be for him you need to poo. What, I, think, like I, think it, I think it pushes the poo forward out. Could be. Yeah, I think so. Not to do that voice anymore. Not on yeah. PC. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't eat breakfast oh. and I certainly won't eat a banana I don't like them smushy nasty gross <laughs> I certainly don't like the string I do peel off the string I find that horrible yeah you eat a lot of bananas don't you I think it's, it's a, it's a, it is a great release of energy isn't it and potassium mm. oh, you'll like this actually I saw this the other day uh, and I haven't told you yet so a pineapple right mm-hmm. if you have a pineapple tattooed upside down on you somewhere right Okay, so pineapple tattooed. I don't think it's a specific place. Might be an ankle, but don't don't go with me on that one. <laughs> so if you have a pineapple tattooed upside down, mm-hmm. it means that you are in to swinging. 
<laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I made myself choke there. <laughs> yeah, so it genuinely, if you see someone with a pineapple tattooed upside down on them, it means they're into swinging. So a lot of like partners and stuff have that on them. And it's like a sign if you're like at a group event without having to go, hello, are you into swinging? No. Hello, are you into swinging? No. And go around everyone. They are into swinging. That's fascinating. Uh, and I imagine dogging. Does that go hand in hand? <laughs> no, you have to have an upside down banana for that. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. amazing. So that's like the sexual fetish version of having a teardrop if you're a murderer. Oh, is that what that means? Yeah. I think having a teardrop tattoo means you've either done a murder or, you, or you've been in prison for murder, I think. Are you, are you, are you, is that I think required so. by law? <laughs> no. You have to be a special type of person to do that, wouldn't you? But I think it is I think that is a real thing. Someone to do that. Isn't that showing off though? Yeah. It isn't that going, look, I've killed a man. Look at me cry and repent my sins. Yeah, I don't even know if it's symbolic. I don't know. But that that is definitely a kind of thing. But I'm pretty amazed with the pineapple because that means you have to be a pretty committed swinger. You have to love it so much that you have it permanently inked on your body and let other people know. And you must love it. You must love swinging. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I'm the king of the, the swingers. swingers. <laughs> <laughs> the dog king, VIP. <laughs> Quite sad, you know, all the rest of that song, yes. I imagine. Right, uh, on with the business of proceedings. <laughs> yes, this week we have a surrealist comedian. You may well have seen him on Never Mind the Buzzcocks, Would I Lie to You, Have I Got News for You, Oh, A out of 10 cats, A out of 10 cats does Countdown, Radio 4, he's on everything. He's not our age, and I won't say how old he is, but he was nominated for the best newcomer at the Fringe in 1998. <laughs> we were, we <laughs> we were, were born that year. <laughs> uh, he's one of our favourite comedians. Uh, he's one guest that we've been trying to get on the podcast for a long, long time. Uh, we just think he's fantastic. And it is Paul Foote. <laughs> So here on You Have Been Watching, we imagine that our special guest has won a weekend away in a hotel room in Preston, where all they can do is lie back and watch telly. They'll be choosing four of their favourite ever TV shows and we'll be hearing why they've chosen them and what it means to them. In and amongst all that, we'll also ask them which television personality they want to spend their weekend with and what they'd like to eat. Our guest today is famous for his comic rants, musings, and I quote, disturbances. It's the unique, incomparable, one of a kind, and any other word that means exactly the same thing, Paul Foote. Hello, Paul. How are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Luke. Hello, Elliot. I'm well, thank you. And it's uh, obviously you've made this premise that I'm stuck in a hotel in Preston, but I think I have actually literally done that. You know, I have actually literally been in a hotel in Preston. I think I was there once for like two nights. I think it was something like I had Lancaster, but then I had like a night off and then the next one was somewhere nearby. Penrith or something and so I was wherever it was so anyway I was in Preston literally for two nights with nothing to do probably in this actual hotel you're talking about so I, I have been through that actual experience the improvement in this case is that I'm allowed to watch all different TV shows and everything because I think in reality I was in some hotel where the TV doesn't work properly you know when you're in a hotel you pay for the hotel it's quite straightforward there's a, there's a television why can't they just get the television worked out you always turn it on and then it always goes up to a few channels then it keeps saying channel not available please contact your supplier and things like that. And I think, it's a hotel. Why have they not got this organised? <laughs> so I think that what I did that time, I wouldn't have watched much television. I, I, I can't think of anything that, that you can do on your own in a hotel bedroom. Can you think of it? I can't think. Well, this, I can't this is think. why we invented the format. 
Here we go. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything. I've no idea what happened. You're on tour with Dissolve at the moment. You're going up and down the country at the time of recording. You're in the middle of it, but you've got plenty more dates to come well into 2024 as well. How has it been going? Um, have you had any amazing stories or anything like this from your time so far, fringe up through to the tour? It's been a disaster and I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, I'll scratch no, that no. off my notes. <laughs> no, no, no. It's been, it's been great. It's been uh, just after the tour. I'm about uh, 10 shows in. It's a show about recovering from terrible mental health problems and depression and things. And, and it's a very uplifting show and a show uh, with a lot of hope in it. Uh, all about an amazing thing that happened to me last year where an instant all my mental health and depression problems and anxiety all just dissolved away and disappeared. So it's been a fantastic show to do because uh, obviously it's funny, it's a comedy show and people come up and say, oh, I really enjoyed it and I laughed. But I'm also getting, uh, which I've never had before, lots of people saying they were really touched by the show and really uplifted by the show. And there's uh, lots of people who chat to me off the show about it. And there's lots of emails and Instagram messages to answer every week on my days off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday there's a lot of correspondence to be entering into <laughs> Oh, obviously the reviews have been fantastic it sounds brilliant you know some of the, the fan interaction and things have been amazing about it and a properly named title as well sometimes people just have titles for the sake of it before they've written it don't they so that is beautiful have you had any strange interactions with fans other than just praise? Well if, 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 uh, uh, you've got a cheeky smile <laughs> There's always a few things like you, like the other day, like, you know, like you can never win everything. Like the other day I was standing um, after the show and, you know, uh, so that everyone could come and talk to me after the show and I'm standing there talking to people. Sometimes you find it's really hard actually because someone's talking to you and they may be like telling you something really personal about their life and saying, I've suffered with depression. It's been a big thing in my life. And obviously you don't want to be just like, not listening but then there's other people behind and they're saying oh Paul great shirt with so you have to sort of acknowledge them as well and then there'll be some people behind them and they're also waving so you've got three different level layers of people that, and you can't be frivolous with any of them because they're like sometimes people like I've had people like like weeping off the show and they're like and so they're but so if someone's telling me something really personal just there right in front of me but behind them is someone who's like weeping as they leave and they're just waving and just saying Thank you so much. Thank you. So you, you've got to give them like both attention. And then like, and then uh, the other day, the lady, she said, I said hello to you and you just ignored me. And then I said, <laughs> I didn't hear it. I said, there's all these people talking. And she, so sometimes you get people like that and they're concerned. That, and she says, oh, there's so many rude comedians in the world. And I said, I'm not one of them. I just didn't hear it. <laughs> so, uh, it's, quite, it's quite tricky to do it. This is what happens when you write a show with as much pathos as, as you have, Paul. So I'm afraid it's, it's your own doing. You've got a global fan base like many many comedians but i have to be honest i only recently realized that your fans are not fans are they of course they are connoisseurs and you That's are right. the life president of the guild of paul foot connoisseurs yeah, and i signed I... us up to your mailing list um literally this morning when i was going back through your website well you can't be that much of a it's fan not a mailing list it's not a mailing no. list it's a society <laughs> no, it does say on it. Well, the words don't do say click here for the mailing list. And then you get a password, don't you? And I won't obviously reveal the password, but you get a password yes. sent to you. So I've now logged us in to that. And, and this is because you do secret shows for the connoisseurs, uh, or you did, and then 
your TV stuff started to come in and you got more and more fans and so they were demanding secret shows and then you were having to put on secret, secret shows for the original connoisseurs. <laughs> when is this yes. going to end? Well, uh, there are secret, secret shows there for people who've been to... Normally, you'll have to have been to several secret shows before you're even invited to a secret, secret show. Although occasionally I get someone who comes to a secret show, they're just so into it, I say, you can come to a secret, secret show. As for <laughs> secret, secret, secret shows, I obviously can't discuss that. <laughs> and you've done all sorts as well, not just shows. I, I was reading you've led picnics, you've done guided tours in a spoofy way, uh, you've done competitions, um, you did something to do with a 32,000 jigsaw puzzle piece at the Stepney <laughs> City Farm. Is that is that right? Yes. That was about 10 years ago or longer. I did find um, the other day when I was going through some archive things, I bought a 32,000-piece jigsaw puzzle and the idea was to get loads of people together to solve it, but we didn't manage it because it was so big. Even with loads of people, it was just the complexity of it was just so utterly baffling that we didn't finish it. Are you a big fan of jigsaw puzzles or was that just an activity you thought that that many people could do? It was just a spur of the moment thing. I was in a garden centre having a Sunday lunch and I had this jigsaw puzzle. It was the biggest jigsaw puzzle in the world. Apparently 32,000 pieces or however many it was is technically the most you can get because when you, as you get bigger, it becomes, it's to do with the way the bits fit together it will start to warp you can't actually make it bigger i know you thought you could but it's to do with the way they're cut and and the way you it's there's technical reasons why it can't go bigger than that so it's the largest jigsaw puzzle possible i just thought i've got to buy it just bought it on the spur of the moment and then having bought it i thought how am i going to solve it and i didn't even have a table big enough for it so i had to find a a, a, a animal farm like one of those where you pet the animals for the people in the cities who've never seen an animal or those those kind of places for the city people to see an animal in a slightly patronizing way they can see an animal and anyway they had a large table in there and then I obviously put the adverts out and got people to come, jigsaw enthusiasts. And I do like a jigsaw, although I haven't done one since then because it sort of put me off a bit. But yes, I do like, uh, you know, I mean, what else could I do? What, 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 how would you deal with it if you saw a jigsaw puzzle that size? You, you can't not buy it. Once you've bought it, you've got to find a large table, haven't you? Where would you go? Where are you going to find a large table? Obviously, a zoo. Well, not a zoo. <laughs> more of a farm, really. Farm, zoo, sort of cross. More like a zoo, really, because they're in... It's not really a farm, because they don't farm... They're not using the animals for their, for their like, wool or anything. It's really a zoo. It's a zoo that has the appearance of a farm. Uh, it's and, a foo, isn't and it? For, and for, for obviously political correctness reasons, it's called farm. It's called <laughs> old city farm because it sounds good, doesn't it? City farm, but it's a zoo, really. But and those are the sort of places that have these kind of tape. What would you do? So instead of asking me why I did those things and crit- with the implicit criticisms and passive aggressive comments that I find very deeply upsetting, I would like you to answer what you would do if you saw a jigsaw puzzle of that size in a garden centre after a Sunday roast and what you would do. I think you can have too much of a good thing, Paul, and I would know that the temptation would, would just be too overwhelming. But I, I would buy it. I think maybe the the, the zoo slash farm that the foo was, was the letdown. What I would do, I would go to a lot of nursing homes and get a lot of old people who love jigsaw puzzles and just just leave it with them. Let them have a day out and do it because they, they've been training all their lives for this moment. Old people love a jigsaw puzzle. My grand does. 
That's why every Christmas I make a jigsaw puzzle of my own face and she has to put it together. She loves it. Well, that's that's sweet, but I don't think Paul's problem was the people. I think it was that he didn't have the table. I, I'm not saying there's anything bad about the people. Lovely people. No, but Paul, Paul didn't have a problem with the people because he's got many connoisseurs to help him. He didn't have a table big enough, so he went to a farm. Table. But are you yeah, saying, where are you going to get a table like that? But are you saying on the farm they had a table that big? Well, I think maybe they put a, a series of tables together. But you've given me, you've given me an idea there with the old people's home. So obvious, isn't it? How to get table that big together? Those trolleys you get in mortuaries. <laughs> Push them together, and and you've got large enough space for the jigsaw. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. If you see Paul around hanging around a morgue, a morgue you yeah. know what he's doing. Yeah. And not that yeah. he's stealing a table. What was on the jigsaw puzzle? I'm curious now. I'm invested. What was in the thirty-two thousand piece jigsaw puzzle? What was it of? Is it an atlas? I can't remember. It can't have been that <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Well, you, to be fair, you didn't finish it, so you don't know what it was of. I suppose I they do give you a picture, was. don't they? They don't just say, here's a jigsaw, try and work out you what it is. You fucking find out. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe they didn't give you a picture. I can't remember. I think you had to work it out or something. I've just seen the biggest jigsaw puzzle in the world is 42,000 pieces. I found another one that says it's 60,000 pieces. Oh, bloody hell, those lime buggers at the garden centre. It's going up and, and up. And it's the picture of the world. I don't know, can't remember which one I got now. And also, it costs £657. Jesus Mine didn't Christ. cost that. Mine cost only like £100. 40,230 pieces. The biggest puzzle in the world. <laughs> but then what about the other one that's even bigger than? It's on the black market. They're making it up now. Officially, it's the biggest. But there are other ones that you can order online on dodgy websites. Uh, I think this other one isn't a proper jigsaw puzzle. It's got like different, different things on different levels or something. Oh, it's a sham. It's a sham. <laughs> are you a telly head, Paul? Do you get a chance to watch a lot of telly in your, in your life? Uh, yes, I, I, uh, I, 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 I have seen lots of television, especially in the hotels when I'm on tour. When you can get the televisions to work, you're watching loads of them. I get televisions to work. At the end of this podcast, I will reveal a secret to you, but I won't reveal it now. Ooh. But yes, I've seen lots of, lots of TV. Yes, yes, lots of TV. <laughs> it's going to be you've never watched an episode of anything in your yeah, life. I think if you don't watch any TV, but we'll, we're not preempting. Okay, shall we get into it proper? Yes, let's congratulate. Yeah, lots of TV. Let's talk about TV. I'll reveal the secret to you at the end. Congratulations, Bullfoot. Thank you. You've won a luxury weekend break to the idyllic city of Preston, where you'll be spending all your time in the finest twin bedroom Preston's Travel Lodge has to offer. It's common knowledge that there's little to do in Preston other than to sit in bed all day and watch television. We hope you have a pleasant stay. So we're going to whisk you off to Preston once again for a weekend away and we're going to give you a memory stick. On this memory stick, we're going to give you four TV shows that you can watch on repeat throughout the entire weekend in Preston. And the first TV show is a show that makes you think of your childhood. I don't know whether I'm allowed more than one, but... I've got sort of three in mind, and they're all, but they're basically game shows of the childhood. They're all sort of interchangeable, as far as I'm concerned. They're all, they're all the same show, really. There's like Bullseye. There's that one when they said, "Come on down, the price is right." <laughs> and and there was the, another one that was similar. There was always this thing where you got the, you did different sort of things, and then they'd say, "You've won," and it was something like a high five. <laughs> and then they'd show like the picture of it. And then there was another thing. You've won a, a deluxe set of glasses with a crystal decanter. <laughs> and you'd see that. You've won a, a weekend for two in Paris with £500 spending money. 
And then they would describe it and they'd say, bored of sitting at home? Well, allow our chauffeur to whisk you to Heathrow Airport, where two tickets are waiting for you for a flight to Paris. As you arrive in Paris, you will be taken on a cruise down the Seine, where you'll see some of the highest sights, such as the Arc de Triomphe and the Eiffel Tower. After you've had your evening meal of luxury French food, you will have the next day to relax in Paris. And that sort of thing, you know. And, and also, there'll be other ones where it's like a surprise where they'd say, they'd say, you've won uh, this luxury hamper. And they'd open it up and they'd say, in this luxury hamper is everything you'd expect to find in a luxury hamper, including dried fruit, <laughs> a, a selection of preserves, and half a bottle of white wine. But if you think half a bottle of white wine won't take you far, don't worry. Because you're off to Buenos Aires. And they say, it's like that was part of the prize. It would like open up into another bit. You and three people of your choice are taking all expenses paid trip to Buenos Aires. After your 12 hour economy class flight to Buenos Aires, you will stay at a luxury hotel. It was all like that. And it, all the stakes would rise and rise. Mainly, it would then build to that bit where they had to, they either would win a car or it was a caravan. They could win a caravan. And I would find it just traumatising as a child because you watch these people and they were so desperate to win the car or to win the caravan. And there was so much at stake. And they organised it in such a way that People would sometimes win it, maybe 30% of the time, but mostly not. And the, the devastation when people didn't win the caravan, it was it was absolutely, for a, for a vulnerable child, like no child should have had to have been put through that. It was horrendous, like on bullseye. And it was like a, a husband and wife playing for it. But it, obviously sometimes they'd really raise the stakes and it would be something like, it's a mother with her son, single mother. And maybe they even give a backstory and say something like, we understand that your husband passed away in tragic circumstances, but now you and your son are playing for prizes. And you know that there's like a devastation in the family. The husband who died in a tragic accident, hang gliding. Are they going to win the, like the holiday? Yeah, in fact, it would be the, ho- oh yeah, I'm remembering now. The holiday, yes, I'm remembering now. It was the car and the, and the boat, that was just part of it. They'd say, here, you could win this. Yeah, it was a boat. Sometimes it was a boat. They'd say, you could win this boat. But if you feel that just going around the English Channel isn't far enough, don't worry. You're all just hit me. It was all that part of it. Like there were three bits of the prize. It started with a hamper. Then there was the boat. Then there was a holiday. They had so much to play for. And they had to guess how much it was worth. And they'd say, okay, how much do you think it's worth? The whole thing together. And they'd say, remember, you've got to be within 100 pounds of it, but you can't get a penny over. And there would be all people shouting out, 13,400 pounds, 12,758 pounds. And then they'd give the, they'd give the thing and they'd say, it's 14,100. You could hear from the audience, they got it wrong. They got it wrong. They got over. They got it. They'd lost it. They'd not only had they lost their family, they'd lost their the mother, had lost her soulmate and her lover. The son had lost her father. It was terrible. And at the end of it, all they what all they got was and they said, Don't worry, you still got five hundred pounds 
I was traumatised. If they did win like a boat, for example, I dread to think it would probably bankrupt them because to have like a, a docking fee or a wharf fee, I don't know how much it costs to, to, to be able to keep a boat. That must be extortionate. It must be through the roof. <laughs> I, I think we know that they were just trading for money. I bet there would be a thing after they win where they say, OK, so um, do you want a boat or would you rather receive £3,000 cash? Like, yeah, take the cash, please. Those people, it's all cash. <laughs> Otherwise, At the end of the day, no one's taking the boat. No one's taking the Walkman or the hamper or the trip to Sydney. Um, we've only ever really seen clips of the prizes, right? Lots and lots of clips. But we have fully seen episodes of Bullseye literally a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God. We were at a wedding, staying in a genuine travel lodge. And on that very telly we've been talking about, we were watching repeats of Bullseye. It was just on and we were like hooked to it because it was so odd. And the monologues that Jim Bowen used to do at the start were so stilted and unfunny and obviously sexist. And no one's laughing at it. He's not that bothered. And then, like you say, the sob stories, they sort of come from nowhere. It was getting towards the final round and he'd sort of come up to one of the ladies and he'd go, now, Margaret, I, I know you're, you're not very good at darts. And she'd just go, no, I'm not, Jim. And he'd go, okay, give it your best. <laughs> you, you remind that me. That was it. <laughs> you reminded me of the start of one episode where they, he, he went to a sofa and introduced everyone and it was all happy and fantastic. Oh, my God. And there was a woman, and a, an old woman and her grandkid, and he came up to her all right, so uh, Judith, uh, you've had a bit of a, a sad morning, haven't you? It's not been the one you wanted. And she went, no, 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 Jimmy, it hasn't. <laughs> and she went, when, when you were here, you, uh, you crashed into uh, an 18-foot-high truck, didn't you? And, uh, yes, you, we did, you, Jim, yeah. You're a bit shaken up, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And I can see you, you had to go to hospital, didn't you? Because your grandson's in a cast. <laughs> And it got worse. He went, this isn't even the first time you've tried to, to come on Bullseye, because last time, what happened last time when you tried? It's like when, when fucking whirlwind or something. When you're in the car coming the first time to the studio on Bullseye, what happened, Judith? It, it was something it, it was something else, like, you know, she broke her, broke her yeah, pelvis. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think she, she went to get on a train and fell through the crack of the, of the train and the gap, <laughs> so she couldn't go to the studio. And on the second time going to the Bullseye studio, she's thinking, right, I'm off to Granada to have a great time and <laughs> she's crashed a car and there is no joke at that there is no well we're going to cheer you up and then he just moves on he just goes okay wish you well come on then yeah well, it's such it, a weird program at least, it, at least it, you know she, he was being genuinely concerned for her as a human and kicked off the sexism just for a moment but even into like the well into the 90s there was boy probably more recently probably now but certainly in the 90s I saw something the other day, blankety blank or something from the 90s. And it was just cringeworthy looking at it from our eyes now. There was a woman on it and she was being a manhander all the time. Just stand there, darling, just facing the camera. And then he said, "Um, OK, so it's going to be quick, far questions. You need to face me. We'll be looking into each other's eyes. Don't think I'll be minding that, if you know what I mean. No. Unless my <laughs> eyes might possibly stray down a bit. Can't help it. It was all like that. It was like so creepy. But that's just like... Oh, it was in the 90s. It was disgusting. Yeah, you, you say Jim left the sexism for a, a tiny moment because he was concerned about her health, but you should have heard what his eyes were doing when she said that she was driving. My God. And they were moving so fast you could hear them, as yeah. you just said. You could hear his eyes. <laughs> just a creepy guy. He kind of gave me the creeps. <laughs> so for childhood, are we going for... Uh, let, let's narrow it down. So are we saying... Uh, the price is right. Are we saying bullseye or just any moment on an old competition where the family lose? Yeah, any uh, any competition.
option where the family lose. So I think I'll probably choose The Price is Right because I think that is the sort of absolutely quintessential one of those. <laughs> and there's been so many like comebacks of The Price is Right, isn't there? I know Joe Pasquale did it in like 2007 and then Alan Carr's bringing these game shows back. They're not going away. People love it. They love what they love. An issue raised that because you said you at a wedding like are you like a couple it's just like the way you said we're at a wedding like why if you're not a couple which I didn't think you were it didn't seem to give that chemistry but if you're not a couple why are you going to weddings go oh I don't want to be without Luke can Luke come oh can Elliot come to the wedding I know you don't really know them like why were you both at a wedding I don't understand it you're doing a podcast together you're inseparable. You're going around weddings together. It's much worse than that, Paul. We have uh, been best mates and only working together since we were five years old. Uh, we used to present like Women Institute nights when we were nine years old. It's the perfect kind of <laughs> perfect kind of host. And, and, and we haven't stopped working together since. So it genuinely is longer than a prison sentence. And we just get invited to things things together because we went to school together and know each other. So yeah, it's never going to end, is it? I mean, we'd like more regular work, but it's always oh, together. Yeah. <laughs> It's, a, it's not longer than a prison sentence if it's a life sentence or a whole life tariff. What if we did a life sentence but with good behaviour? Well, if with uh, good behaviour, uh, then of course you can still have, you still be out on licence, as it were, you're still serving the life sentence but out on licence. But if you have a whole life tariff, tariff, you're not coming out like Rosemary West, she's going nowhere. <laughs> and that's what you are. You are both in a way. You you are the you are the, the Rosemary West of, of podcasting. <laughs> this is at least the second time this has come up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so you have been released, you've served the best part of the sentence, and you've even been to an open prison, but now you're out on license and you're monitored. I monitor you. I'm your probation officer monitoring you. I'm actually your probation officer, but you wouldn't know this. No. See, so I started a career in comedy knowing that eventually I would come to your attention and you'd say, oh, let's get Paul on the podcast. You feel that you've invited me onto your podcast, but I can assure you this is, is the other way around. It's all part of an elaborate setup by people above both of us, my paymasters, who've organised this so that I can monitor you. I love the I'm phrase paymasters as well, because it's always used in conspiratorial terms. <laughs> if, like, if we're ever driving through Barnstable or we're driving through uh, an abstract place in the UK, we'll know. There'll be like a, a red light flashing somewhere and, and we'll know it's, it's, it's you from now on. Yeah, well, you know when you see that thing and it says speed 32 miles an hour, then it goes down to 30 with a little smiley face. Yeah, like an electronic LED unhappy face. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm inside there looking. This is one of the first times that I've ever actually. You've never seen me before. I've seen. I've seen you. This is the first time you've seen me. And what makes it so deliciously powerful for me is the fact you think you've set this up, but I have. I thought I'd seen him before. I was at that wedding. Yeah, at that wedding. I was the bride in that wedding. I was uh, with prosthetics. That was me. I thought I was, it was. You can always tell. Uh, when it's prosthetics, because uh, if you look, you can always see when the bride gets an erection. You always know. It's always a giveaway sign that it's not, uh, he is all prosthetics, you see. That's a Jim Bowen uh, gag, all... that. That's a good callback. <laughs> uh, let's move on to your second uh, TV show. And this is a TV show that gets you laughing. Uh, it's got to be you've been framed. <laughs> you, you, you can't get more laughter 
There are certain clips. There's one of a man who sits down. He's a student and he's got baked beans in his hand. And then he sits down and a bowl of baked beans goes all over him. And like, I can't even find the clip anymore. And I've spent years searching for that clip because it's just it's just so funny. Like all of it. Baked beans on the floor. I love it when it's a wedding and they're all like standing inexplicably all in their wedding outfits. All the, the bride and groom and all the guests on a jetty next to some water and they'll fall in. Quite obviously they're going to fall in. I love anything to do with old people getting into a boat and they fall in the water. I love anything to do with uh, grandma or granddad have a go at uh, skateboarding and they fall over and they smash their pelvis, anything like that. Honestly, that is just brilliant. And I can't think of a more apt choice for you. That is, just seems so up your street. And what I love watching about it is watching it with other people because you all make the same uh, sound at the same time. It's always either a laugh or it's muted or it's an ooh. And then normally like a dad or someone goes, no, that's, that really would have hurt. No, he, he would he could have broken his neck there. And it's always a seesaw. It's always one of those child slides, those plastic slides you get in like play parks and gardens. It's so fantastic. I don't know if you ever seen yes. Vic and Bob um, do like little sketches where they take the piss out of human framed um, sketches because they always seem so set up. So they're just taking the piss out of that with like Bob falling off a slide, then standing up and falling into a, a paddling pool and then standing up again and then getting on a motorbike and falling into a shed. Fucking hell, I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect that to happen. Because you know you're going to get 250 quid. So they always, half of them seem so set up. But you're right, because there are terrible injuries that probably occur after the clip. Recently, I had to write an article for The Guardian, and it was about uh, my favourite internet clips. And I so I researched, I obviously did a lot that I knew already and I loved. And uh, some of them were, they're not, they weren't all just people falling over, but some of them were, things like that. And there was one which I'd seen before, and it was at a wedding. And it was, um, there's a marquee and obviously a big central pole that holds up the marquee, and there's this woman going around doing like a pole dance on this pole and the pole sort of moves across and then falls over, falls down and then all the people fall over all on the floor. That's the bride's erection. <laughs> yeah, yes. And it's just really hilarious. Like you're watching it and it's just so funny because she's on this pole and you can see it's going to fall down and there's all the cake goes all over the floor and it's just hilarious. And then I found two versions of the clip, one where it stops there and another one where it goes on and it's not funny anymore. It's really <laughs> quite serious injuries. There's blood. There's people being taken off on stretchers. There's serious injuries. It's not funny. Oh, it really is absolutely traumatic. And I think it would be the same with a lot of these things on You've Been Framed. A lot of them will be really quite serious injuries afterwards. Some of them will be weeks of osteopath and chiropractor and the, and the um, physiotherapy. But some of them would just be literally in the hospital, paramedics pounding at people's hearts. <laughs> it's just absolutely, absolutely awful. So, yeah, so you have to watch the right clip that isn't too long. Paul, if there was a version where you could see the second half of some clips, would you click that or would you avoid it because it's too horrific? I think, uh, I think I'd avoid it and I think I'd avoid the clip. Now that I know what happens in the second half of that clip, I can't unremember that now. So I can't watch that clip anymore. I never put that clip on the, on the internet after I found that because it just sort of spoiled it for me. But there are lots of good ones. Like, you know, there's one called Granny 
slips at wedding and the, 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 like the sound of her heel as it scrapes across the floor and you can see it's not really serious injuries and or you can see that you know she would have died within weeks anyway so it doesn't you know so you can you can enjoy it guilt-free knowing that there's no massive injuries and if there were it wouldn't really have usually changed the life expectancy you know you can see she was so miserable you know she had no quality of life anyway so in many ways <laughs> over at the wedding and shattering her pelvis you know that was the that was the best thing for her recently i've been sort of i love you know you've been framed but recently i've been making my own ones up because i'm not sort of satisfied with the ones i've been seeing so i've made my own ones up and i made up one this morning which is this woman who's a granny who buys a a microwave oven <laughs> and then she decides to cook a chicken in it and she wants to put stuffing in the chicken but she's worried about how to get the stuffing out at the end so she puts it in uh, aluminium foil and then she puts it in the oven and then there's all sparks coming out and then she opens it and the the chicken kind of explodes not then not only onto her but kind of into her mm. but with the heat some of the chicken sort of uh, bones that become fused onto her actual skull. She's got like chicken bits like welded onto her and then she slips backwards and, and shatters her coccyx on the corner of a washing machine. It's like a sick saw film. She's got, you know, giblets coming coming out of her eyelids. They're just... They're Wishbone out of her nostril. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's got... Um, out of her nose comes, uh, comes like all bisto. <laughs> <laughs> You got stuffing coming out of her ears. One of the best things about watching reruns. Yeah, and also renal failure. (laughs) (laughs) And double pneumonia. She gets pneumonia as well. (laughs) And she had like rickets to begin with as well. (laughs) Yeah, and also, um, also she's got like um, like like an eye. Her eye comes out. (laughs) 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 and, And then like a. Past it, it goes into her eye socket. <laughs> just open her mouth and it's just like crushed up petty poires that old people have when they have cotton chips. It's just coming out. How many of these have you made up in your mind, Paul? Well, maybe one a night uh, for <laughs> maybe 10 years. So it's about 3,650, roughly. Yeah, well... Not including leap years. Of course, yeah. Some people count sheep. You can drift off very nicely thinking about old women with certain meats popping out and scarring them into yeah. their own flesh. Not always that. It could be uh, it could be anything. It could be like a young person. Another one of my favourite ones is a young man and he's gathered um, uh, for like a celebration with all his family. Oh, no, this Cause is really he's, um, bad. Yeah, because he's, um, he's passed his, uh, his um, motorcycle test. <laughs> and he's... Um, <laughs> He's never done very well academically at school, but they're just so proud of him. He didn't achieve what they'd hoped at school, but they're proud of him because he wants to work as a motorcycle courier and he's passed his motorcycle test and they're all like gathered and he's wearing his helmet and everything. They're all like applauding. And then um, he's got like a flight, he's on like a top of a flight of steps. Which is where it's just come out of the uh, like the motorcycle theory bits. It's, the motorcycle's at the bottom of the steps, but you had to go into the top part up the stairs to take the theory bit, which is a crucial part. You can't without the theory, you can't pass the test. 
and he's just coming down the stairs so that he can get, and he's wearing his helmet, so he's ready to get onto his motorcycle. And as he comes down, he just, for some, no reason, he just misjudges the steps. Like each step, he always just takes one and a quarter steps when it should be just one step. So it's just foot is slightly over the edge and then it becomes worse and worse with each step. And then he just falls down and it just like he doesn't even take any evasive action. He doesn't put his hands out in front of him. But for some reason, he just doesn't put his hands out in front of him. He goes straight down and his head just snaps straight off. <laughs> oh, what a phenomenon. And all the families there. All the families there. And is it in the, is it in the helmet? He's still in the helmet with his head, and his head's been shattered off, sheared off. No one knows why. It's just a tragedy. It's it's an unexplained tragedy. His head rolls into the gasket of the motorbike. And the beautiful thing about that is the family just send it in and get 250 quid. (laughs) And then uh, at the uh, funeral, the devastated aunt leans forward over the grave to throw rose petals and actually leans forward up. Like, oh, no. of, um, here we go here we go <laughs> oh dear her butt cheeks kind of rip apart and her, her rectum rips rips apart <laughs> I feel that was a bit of a spontaneous one I feel that was a little bit of improv there yeah, yeah I just made that one up <laughs> and she rosebuds the rest of the congregation oh dear and she just rips apart like a chicken like a chicken when you like rip those rip those legs apart and you don't care because it's dead. It's a dead chicken. You don't care about its arsehole being ripped apart. They do. Did you make it's a wish while the aunt's arse was being annihilated? Yeah, wishbone. Yeah, they make, yeah. They make a wish. They wish that they wish that the the, the, the trauma would stop. <laughs> but it doesn't every what, night. What an unlucky family. <laughs> okay. No, it doesn't every night. It just doesn't stop. And the next one, uh, some <laughs> grandfather's done in there and he's, his uh, head, someone says, oh, that looks like a lasso going around your head there. And it's come from a hot air balloon and he, he gets hauled up by a hot air balloon. People still say now, oh, yeah, well, film that. It'll be 250 quid on yeah. you've been framed. And made it for five years, love. No, they like don't a, make it no more. It's a thing, isn't it? You know. Well, they, don't they make you've been framed anymore? I think they stopped about three, four years ago, you know. I think so, yeah. What? I don't know they whether stopped? It was, uh, yeah, there's just reruns. I don't know whether it's for health and safety reasons or with the fact that you can just see this this stuff online now. But we are, we are missing people's grandma's heads being splurted off and rolling into fireplaces. It's because it's gone online. Yeah, it's all, it's all moved online. Well, you can just mad. see it on TikTok well, it's gone or mad. You, you can't see nothing these days. No, I know. That's the thing. Let's move on to your TV personality that you would take to watch this this horrific monstrosity in Preston with. It can be anyone from the world of TV, actor, actress, comedian, anyone at all. Who are you taking with you, Paul? Oh, who am I taking with me? Yes. Yes, well... Uh, well, um... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we've got you now, haven't we? (laughs) We've got you by the giblets. Uh, So who would I take with me? Well, the person I'll take with me is this makeup artist who who I've met over the years on various bits of filming, and I never remember her name. When she was says, hello, darling, I said, hello, darling. And then we always have hilarious... We're always just in hysterics about nothing, really. And then she just makes me up and we just, it all started because one time I was about to do a TV show and then I had some really nice shoes on. 
And she said, oh, where are those shoes from? They, they were from churches, which is a nice shoe shop. But for some reason, I said Clark's. <laughs> and then it was really funny for some reason. It was hilarious. It was backstage with the makeup artists and like all the other crew backstage. And I was about to go on onto the set and everyone was just in hysterics for like 10 minutes. And then it's just become like a, a running thing. So whenever I see her, we always just say, my shoes are in Clark's and everyone just falls into hysterics. And no one can really remember why anymore. It's so long ago, but we all just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. So I would like to take her because it'd be a right laugh. Have you ever made her laugh with anything else? Or was it just the one zinger every time? There was a one time when uh, she she was interested in a, in a man, but um, unfortunately they were about to have a date. But unfortunately, the date had to be cancelled because he had to go into hospital to have a colostomy bag fitted. And that's another thing we laugh at. There are two things we laugh at together. I'm not sure what. I think their name might be Pam. I don't even know. I've no idea what it is. I've no idea, actually. But we always laugh about the Clark shoes. And then I always say, oh, what about that man? You're going to go and see him? And she always says, oh, he's having a colostomy bag fitted. And then we all fall into hysterics for ages. <laughs> Which one shouldn't laugh at people having a colostomy bag fitted. It was just, it was really funny, though, because she really thought that she was really in with this man. It was really going well. What could go wrong? It's all set up for the day. But unfortunately emergency colostomy bag fitting did she never give him a second chance did she not just rearrange the date um i think she left it <laughs> that's fair enough <laughs> i'd have a bag it saves the day doesn't it it saves the day it saves the time yeah well yeah it saves having to actually go to the toilet doesn't it yeah it's just not there. very dignified though is it it's pretty tough well no but you can if you can choose the bag you could you could have like a marks and spencers or a you know you could you could have a selfridges bag yeah you could do yeah you get to, to choose your own bag yeah when I was a child, I didn't know about colostomy bags and things, but I would invent things as a child. I didn't build them, I like made pictures of them. And I invented this thing whereby I could just wee and poo all day and it would just like take, and so I could just walk around. It wouldn't need to go to the loo because I thought going to the loo is so boring. As a child, I thought this is really boring. I don't want to do this. So then I even showed it to my mother. I said, I've invented this thing and I could just wee and poo all day. And it doesn't matter because this machine just sort of, takes it away. That's extraordinary, but it had been patented already as a colostomy bag. It had already existed. I didn't realise. I did, I had reinvented the wheel. You had? Well, it... I didn't reinvented the wheel. I'd reinvented the colostomy bag. <laughs> the old saying goes. <laughs> as the saying goes. <laughs> if your mother hadn't told you, you'd have gone on Dragon's Den and you'd have been terribly embarrassed on TV in front of the nation. Well, it would have been terrible. It's actually much easier to, re it's much, uh, easier to reinvent the colostomy bag than to reinvent the wheel. I want a colostomy bag. All right, we sorted it out for you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Pam, the unnamed makeup artist, maybe she's called Pam, is is going to, to Preston. I always say that when I can't think of someone's name. I go, hello, you, yeah. every time. <laughs> She'll know who she is, because if she yeah. doesn't, that's a very specific memory. <laughs> so it's mad if she doesn't. Let's move on to your third TV show then. And this is the TV show that gets you sweating, Paul. What gets you on the edge of your seat? When you say dumb... Uh, the thing that makes me sweat, I always just think of an episode of Bergerac that I saw as a child. And it was a bit when, like, this man, like, died all, like... And when he died, he was all, like, scared, and his face was all, like, still in this rictus of... And, like, they uncovered the sheet, and you saw the body underneath. That really scared me. And the other thing that used to really scare me 
is when I was at school and I was only 13 and then I watched the Salem witch trials and that really scared me because they those men they had their balaclavas and I always find balaclavas are scary <laughs> so basically the thing that makes you scared is balaclavas balaclavas yes <laughs> and also like anything to do with like corpses and that like in dra- in dramas and stuff they make you laugh the f- and they make you sweat as well <laughs> yeah when the face is all like Whoa. Have you ever watched and much I, of Silent Witness? Because that's all about bodies, isn't it? And and in the morgue. Yes, I heard from some actors who were in Silent Witness. It's all done with pigs, parts of pigs, you know, that are used, the organs and stuff. And it's just permanently a disgusting smell of these organs and stuff that are everywhere. <laughs> but that's what they use for the organs and for the blood and for the bits of guts and all that stuff. Well, obviously they can't use human, you know. <laughs> so uh, they, they use pig, and it's all rather disgusting. Which, of course, it would be, I suppose, in a mortuary anyway. So it's quite realistic, really. All right, so let's go for your sweating choice. Uh, Anything uh, with a dead body or any person in a balaclava on any TV show that's ever created in existence. Yes, or anything with... There was something I saw when I was five, and it was the devil, (laughs) Satan, and he was in a lift, and the the lift doors opened, and you saw Satan, and I found it so frightening. And I'd love to be able to see it again now and see how frightening it was. Like, I can watch that bit of Bergerac. I can see that again, and it doesn't scare me as much as it did when I was a child, but it really traumatised me at the time. Like, I would see it in my nightmares for, like, months. Like, every night I would see, like, that corpse... And in my dream, there'd always be a bit where there was like either the corpse was angled away from me, turned towards me, or there'd be like a sheet or something in front of it. That's because you're drifting off to sleep, dreaming about corpses and people killing themselves on you've been framed. That's how that goes into your dream. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes in, yes. <laughs> Let's move on then to your last TV show, and this is a free hit TV show. Any TV show uh, of any genre, it's the show maybe that you couldn't live without. That would have to be Aircraft Investigation. <laughs> I love Aircraft Investigation. I love flying. I do quite a lot of flying, and I love Aircraft Investigation. I love seeing how it all went wrong, and I love it. I love it when they say it was just a routine hop from Philadelphia to Charlotte with 173 passengers on board. But soon, what seemed to be a routine flight would turn into a nightmare. It's like corkscrewed their way. They went from 33,000 feet to 3,000 in less than two minutes. The G-forces on their bodies would have been unbelievable. And the other thing I like about it is like the sort of acting they do, like the kind of that kind of staged acting of we're doing a reconstruction. But it's not real acting. It's like things like... The, the person playing the, the cabin crew says, remember to put your, just to fasten your seatbelt, sir. And then the man says, oh, yes, thank you. I forgot to put it on. Very important you put it on for safety reasons. It's all like slightly stilted, <laughs> but it's all done because we all know something's going to happen. You know? I've been a part of one of those reconstructions before. During uh, COVID, I, um, I got asked to, you know, as a starring role, uh, being... Britain's most evil killers on Sky Crime, and 
I didn't know who I was reconstructing. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was shot in a car park in Southampton. It was supposed to be in Orlando. And <laughs> I got there and uh, they put out this wheelchair that I had to sit in. And it was just close ups of me wheeling myself forward. And then four months later, I, I saw this episode and it looked nothing like me. It was about this 30 stone bald headed guy who was disabled in Orlando. And I thought that's not that's not a great reconstruction there. I mean, there are similarities. Yes. But I I do not have a wheelchair. I haven't discovered a prostitute dead on the floor in Orlando, let alone Southampton car park. And that's how they shot them. And it took about I was waiting for five hours to, to film for about two minutes of me wheeling myself along a car park in the back of Southampton. They are always so weird, aren't they? But it's worth it, though, because they got the reconstruction. Yeah, they got it, because we couldn't imagine it without it, and, of course, it's a TV mm. medium. But can I just say, I want the Aircrest investigation to be edited before I watch it. In which way? I love the reconstructions, and I love all the bit about the pilot saying, um, should be a routine flight. There's a little bit of... Uh, little bit of turbulence but i don't think we expect any problems just before it all goes wrong i love all that i love all the analysis of what went wrong and all that uh but what the bit i don't like is like the real people who were there and they're saying oh it's really traumatized me and all that yeah boring all that boring stuff like the human bits so can we just cut that out so i can just see the fun bits yeah, before we get to the corpses, basically. I mean, not to psychoanalyse you, Paul, but you love everything that leads up to a death. You find that quite quite humorous and quite enjoyable. And then as soon as the corpse arrives, that's literally the thing you're most scared of. So there's a strange... Oh, I was frightened of that. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, strange disparity there. Your last bonus choice. And this is the food or snack item that you're going to eat throughout the entire weekend in Preston. It's all you can eat and it's all you can eat throughout the whole weekend. What are you going to be a snacking on? Uh, can I have all of the sweets, all of the sweets in the whole world, all of them that have bubblegum flavour? Yes, we can arrange that. That's definitely fair. Oh, dear. Of course, uh, chosen for being the worst flavour of sweets. Or, or is this a sweet that you love? I love it. Bubblegum is my favourite of all the flavours of anything in the world. Like, I would love all my food to be bubblegum flavour. Like, even savoury. If it was like beef in a bubblegum sauce, I'd love that. I love bubblegum. It's the best flavour. And I even considered making my own bubblegum extract in my house. But I discovered that in order to do so, you had to have industrial size vats and stuff. You had to be able to receive huge quantities of many thousands of litres of various chemicals. So I, I can't do it. Apparently, it's based on banana and strawberry, but it's only one small chemical aspect of the banana flavour and one small chemical aspect of the strawberry flavour. And they go together to make bubblegum flavour. It's the best flavour. Now, imagine if you could have, like... Like, you can sometimes have chocolate in savoury food. Like, sometimes you can have, like, pork chops in a chocolate sauce. That can happen. Like, savoury. But I'd love it in a bubblegum sauce. Imagine how good that would be. What like your... chicken Kiev, but instead of garlic, it's bubblegum. And it oozes out when you cut it open. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so I would like that. I'd like all those bubblegum sweets. And I would also like quite a lot of cream crackers, just plain, and also a very large dose of insulin, please. <laughs> okay. okay, so a large dose of insulin, 
all the bubblegum flavoured sweets we can muster. We're going to be going inside, you know, the bottom of screwball ice creams. We're going to be going into Penny Sweet Shops. We're going to get all of them for you. And some Jacobs, Cream Crackers, other brands are available. Does that sound okay? Yeah, in fact, I'm going to be more specific because this is too many sweets. I'll have all the bubblegum ones that have that sour flavour, that sour thing going on. Okay. So bubblegum and they're sour. Or like bubblegum sherbet, that sherbet sour sort of flavour with the bubblegum. Anything like that. The popping candy. Are you a hard-boiled sweet man or a soft, chewy little number? Uh, I like uh, chewy. Explosion in face as well. (laughs) I like that as well. Pop, pop, pop. Crack, crack, crackle. <laughs> you've nearly reinvented uh, Rice Krispies again there. You've, you've done it again. <laughs> you've reinvented yeah, I want my, Can I have Rice Krispies, but bubblegum Krispies? Yes, that comes under the guise of all sweets in the world. <laughs> no, but they're not invented yet. So can you invent them for me? I'm yeah. asking okay, you okay, yes. to invent that for me, to put the effort into making it. Yeah, but I'm now drawing a line under the sand. So we will make that. And I do mean we. We've established we do everything together, but we're not a couple. And we'll draw a line in the sand there and say all the bubblegum sweets, including... You said a line under the sand. Um, How are you going to draw a line under the sand? Well, I'm going to dig what, from, like... I'm going to dig from England to Australia and then underneath the surface, draw with a stick a line draw. that comes up. Comes up. Yeah, it comes like up. Like a crab. So, Paul, we'll lock that in for you and we'll make sure to bring that to you in, uh, in a crate. Is that sort of okay? Is that how you tend to have your food? I like to have it in a, in a Moses basket. <laughs> I haven't I actually like heard that phrase for about 15 years. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, and I like it to be floating down a river. <laughs> I think I used to get put in a Moses basket when I was a baby. What, were you adopted? No, you know what a Moses basket is, don't you? Yeah, but sort of, isn't like that what you leave on the doorstep of orphanages? <laughs> I suppose, probably, yeah. Which is what we'll do for you, Paul. We, we will lure it down for you full of the sweets. I hear you still go in one sometimes. <laughs> you do. You do. That's the, that's the thing. It's 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 every time you go to a bar mitzvah or a wedding, yeah. and uh, very often on Easter Sunday, <laughs> so we can remind ourselves, and and also for your sexual gratification. Well, it's nice. It's yeah. I feel I feel nice. Okay, Paul. We're going to whisk you off to Preston for a weekend, oh. and you're going to be uh, taking a show that makes you think of your childhood, uh, which is any competition uh, where the family uh, loses a great sum. <laughs> Or a great prize, uh, specifically the Price is Right. You're going to be taking a TV show uh, that gets you laughing. That is You've Been Framed, uh, including special You've Been Framed that you've coined in your head, uh, such as the motorcyclist's head dropping off down the steps uh, and grannies tripping over, dying, exploding, uh, chicken burned into her skull, her face, her anus forehead, exploding. her anus exploding and being twisted while you can make a wish. Uh, you're going to be taking... And then tripping backwards onto, and shattering her coccyx on the edge of the washing machine. Yeah, we got that. Oh, yeah, we got I'm just looking now. Yeah, no, we got well, that. Why didn't yeah. you say it then? Uh, sorry, it was a silent one. It was in brackets, so I didn't know. <laughs> oh. You're going to be taking uh, the unnamed makeup artist in brackets, Pam, question mark, close brackets, uh, with you for the weekend to watch these shows with. You're going to be taking a TV show uh, that gets you sweating. That is potentially anything with a dead body, maybe from Bergerac, uh, maybe anything with a balaclava around them, or indeed uh, the devil, Lucifer himself, anything satanic. Uh, You're going to be taking a TV show that's your free hit. That's Air Crash Investigation, but just the good juicy bits before it gets to the dead body, the human interest stories without the human interest stories. 
and yes. your food and snack item uh, is going to be all of the sour uh, bubblegum sweets flavours, including the kind of rice crispy bubblegum flavours that we've created for you, along with some cream crackers uh, and a large dose of insulin uh, delivered to you in a Moses basket, <laughs> either down a river or cascading from the sky uh, like a money spider that's slowly dangling themselves uh, down the web. Does this sound like a nice, chilled, relaxing weekend in Preston to you, Paul? Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's the hardest you've ever worked, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> um, um, my short-term memory is crap. I can't visualise anything as well. <laughs> I, I've got a thing where I can't visualise mental images in my head. So that 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 has been a challenge for me. A fantasia again. A fantasia, yeah. I can't I can't visualise anything. <laughs> not visualise, vigilante. Like, you know, I find it very difficult to turn something into a vigil. I don't think you would, you know? Paul. I don't think you would at all. In fact, you're the very person I would say that's displayed on this episode. You'd quite happily go to a vigil. Just don't show me the body. I can't do it. I try and, I try and have a, an all-night vigil and it ends up, it all just falls apart. I can't do it. I can't visualise. You know, I, I lose concentration. Halfway through the vigil, it's just no longer a vigil everyone's just messing around and i said this is supposed to be a vigil i just can't visualize it's, it starts respectful it. and then turns into like the mexico day of the dead celebrations and it's it's, it's hard to be respectful terrible yeah and i'm a terrible vigilante i'm <laughs> the worst i can't do it but you wouldn't put a balaclava on you terrify yourself <laughs> i'm just saying i'm not vigilant that's the problem well i'm probably the least vigilant person that i know of i'm so unvigilant Oh, well, Paul, thank you so much for being one of my favourite ever guests Good we've ever God. had on thank this, you, this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Paul Fertz. Thank you, Paul. Well, there we go. I mean, it's in the Hall of Fame, right? It really is. That was quite something, wasn't it? It was the episode, I think, where we've laughed the most. Actually, we haven't broken down in laugh like that for years. That was like listening to Willy Wonka. <laughs> talk about his chocolate factory that was unbelievable we had the invention of the colostomy bag we had the world's biggest jigsaw puzzles we went on to talk about bubblegum chicken kievs which i think i would try would you try that <laughs> well i don't like bubblegum so i wouldn't be doing that but he is crackpot crazy and he was a real joy and very generous with his time we spoke i think uh, just over an hour and a half was it it was a long record we were there for for a long old time and it, it really felt like we were getting a one-on-one show with him so thank you very much. Also, we never found out the secret. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we never asked him because oh. I think he might have had to dash off and do something else. I think he was performing in the evening or something. And we never asked him the secret. We're going to find out. And if we find out, we will put it on our Instagram at Luke and Elliot Comedy. And we will find out what the secret is and we will tell you. Do you think he did that on purpose? Do you think he teased us and then he never told us? No, I don't think he would do that. I, I don't think he, he would edge us like that. I think uh, that, that Paul would tell us uh, at the end. And I, and I think it probably was he's, he hasn't watched an episode of television for years. It did sound <laughs> like that, didn't it? If you listen back to his TV choices. Uh, Paul, of course, is on tour, as we discussed. Uh, the tour is called Dissolve and it's going on through 2024. So do buy your tickets to that. We've got our tickets. Yes, we have. We've paid for them. I look forward to it. Good, great British pounds. Yes, and if there's a bit of stand-up about you being framed, we'll know where it's been lifted from. Yeah. It's all his stuff. Are we have to say where we're, go- we're going to Farnham. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, so if you're, if you're down in Surrey Way in March, 
much um, will be with Paul after the show crying about how <laughs> how much the show has affected us as he ignores you <laughs> as you walk past to thank him for the show. What a rude comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Please do listen and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. Uh, we've been on a roll. Well, not us, but the, the guests have been great so far. <laughs> oh, I was going to pay you a compliment. Well, go on, do it now. No, no, the moment's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, have a goddamn great week. Bye. Can't see you.